Welcome back to A Daughter's Dilemma, where we talk about the interaction between mothers and daughters and everything in between. I am Nefra, the mother. And I am Rodnik, the daughter. And today we are back with another true crime episode. True crime. All right. And so today we're going to talk about an unsolved case. Mom, you know I don't like unsolved cases. But we're going to talk about an unsolved case um, that did happen here in... Missouri. Okay. St. Louis specifically. So it is March. Mm-hmm. It's Women's Month. It is. Or Women's His- History Month. Women's History Month, yes. And so this month on the podcast, we'll be honoring women. Yes. Talking about women issues, especially the black woman, because that's what we are. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, this true crime episode is along the lines of those of that thing. Absolutely. All right. So what are we going to talk about today? An unsolved case in Missouri? Yes. So before we talk about the actual case, I am going to just start with some tips. Ooh. Start with some statistics. That was hard to say. Um, I have some statistics from the voice of black Cincinnati.com. Uh, the national foster youth Institute, as well as CNN.com. Okay. 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 So we're going to start with CNN. So the FBI's National Crime Information Center database lists 424,066 missing children under the age of 18 in 2018. Okay. About 37% of those children are black, even though black children only make up about 14% of all the children in the United States. That's just, that's alarming. Yeah. That's worse than police brutality. Yeah. Or that's, police violence. Exactly. Towards we have black double the amount of missing children than we do have children at all. Out of all of them. Wow. All right. Um, and then... In 2014, 238,230 children were left in U.S. foster care. The FBI estimates that sex trafficking in the United States involves about 100,000 of those children. Okay. So basically half. Okay. Um, 60% of children, no, sorry, 60% of child sex trafficking victims recovered through FBI raids in 2014. 13 mm-hmm. were from foster care and group homes. Um, experts have extrapolated that the average age for girls entering the sex trade is 14, and the average age of children involved in prostitution recorded by law enforcement is 14. 14 years old. Okay. All right, and then here is my last statistic. Um, in 2012, the U.S. Department of Justice reported that 26% of human trafficking suspects include both children and adults that are African American. Additionally, African American children make up 52% of all juvenile prostitution arrests. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and so the reason that I really want to focus on these statistics is because... I feel like a, a lot of our children, because it's the narrative that has been created for us that, you know, 
all black women are on welfare and they can't take care of their kids and all this woo woo woo. And so I feel like when black kids get put in foster care, uh huh, it is more de- detrimental to them. Sometimes in some situations, I'm not saying all, I personally have never been in the foster care system, but the foster care system is definitely a breeding ground for sex trafficking and a very big target of that sex trafficking is black girls. That's terrible. Yeah. That's horrible. Exactly. And so the case that we have today, um, like I said, it's an unsolved case. So we really don't know 100% if this girl was in the foster care system Uh or if she was involved in sex trafficking. I have some personal theories that those themes are involved here just because this is an unsolved case. It's been unsolved for like 30 something years. Wow. And nobody has come forward to claim this child. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So, February 28th, 1983, you were seven. Yes. Um, about to turn eight in like, what, five days? The 28th, that's the last day of February, five days. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. All right. Um, two men discovered the headless body of a female in the basement of an abandoned building in St. Louis, Missouri. Two men entered the vacant apartment building at 5635 Clemens Avenue, where they claimed to be looking for scrap metal. While using a cigarette lighter in the basement for light, they found the decapitated head of a Jane Doe. Okay. They called the police along with patrolman homicide detective Joe Burgoon and Herb Riley, who arrived at the scene um, and immediately assumed that the girl was probably a sex worker or a drug addict from the nearby... Okay, so I I know I'm not going to say this right. Cabney Court. Cabney <laughs> Cabney Courts was treacherous back in the day. I grew up around there. Yeah. I was right around the corner from them in my own dilapidated building. Mm. But Cabney Courts was a high crime area. Yeah. Yeah. And Clemens, now that I think about it, it's not, it wasn't far from there either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Keep going. All right. So this Jane Doe was naked from the waist down, except for a loose-fitting yellow V-neck sweater that was flecked with blood and at the base of her neck, where her head should have been, there was mold sprouting, indicated that she had been in that basement for a while. Um, her fingers had chipped red nail polish, um, clearly visible because her hands were bound behind her back. And a piece of red and white, sorry, they were bound behind her back with a piece of red and white nylon rope. When the body was finally flipped over, though, it became clear that it was a prepubescent girl between the ages of 8 and 11. Um, The girl had been sexually assaulted as well as strangled. And she was left in this basement of this building. Okay. So um, upon the autopsy, one report, I guess that evaluated the autopsy, claimed that this girl was big for her age. She was around four feet tall without her head. Um, And so there was also indication that she had been killed somewhere else and was brought to the basement Mm -hmm. because of blood splatter that was found. Okay. But despite all of this, the autopsy actually found that Jane Doe was in relatively good physical condition. Um, Well, I'm not going to say that. She was in good shape and she seemed to be well taken care of. Now, I did find in some other reports um, that this girl, based on her... 
DNA, I believe, or her bones may have had some, like, official medical issues. But for the most part, it seemed like she was taken care of. She was relatively clean. It seemed like she had eaten. She was well-fed. There weren't any, you know, breezes or anything that seemed to be weeks or months old. So this girl seemed to be well taken care of, okay? Okay. So she didn't have any drugs in her system? No. Not that they reported in the autopsy, no. No alcohol? Mm Mm-mm. Because, you know, with drug, with human trafficking. Yeah, there's often a lot of drugs. Right. A lot of alcohol. alcohol to, a lot of keep you drugged up. To get up them so cooperating. Exactly. Okay, okay, okay. So police searched a 16-block area around the building for the head of the body. But, unfortunately, they weren't ever able to find anything. Um, they sent out a 50-state bullet and heard back nothing from police about anybody who was missing this girl or wanted to claim this girl. Um, And after a week, she officially became a Jane Doe. Detective Herb Riley would send bulletins about Jane Doe to police departments in all 50 states every February 28th for about 12 years, but he never got a reply. In December of 1983, she was finally laid to rest in Washington Park Cemetery, a historic black graveyard in North St. Louis during the funeral Um, It was only attended by a handful of homicide detectives, the chief medical examiner, and a half dozen reporters. Captain Leroy Adkins was the first black head of homicide in St. Louis, and he claimed that he wanted to dispel the belief among many of the city's black residents that the police department cared more about white victims than they did black victims. Um, He also said in a 1983 community meeting, somebody out there knows something. Talk to your neighbors, talk to your friends. Somewhere out there, there is a mother without a little girl, Mm -hmm. a brother without a sister, and a neighbor without a little girl running up and down the street. Absolutely. Yeah. Because you can't just, how did I just that that's the part that baffles me the fact that nobody has ever nobody has come forward any, nobody has ever cl- the only thing that I can think of and I think we talked about this was she was in foster care mm-hmm. and they claimed that she probably went back to her family yeah or went back to a relative mm-hmm. because I'm probably thinking mom and dad may be deceased yeah. already. Yeah, or they they just didn't know her whereabouts at that time, and so they weren't aware. I've heard stories of people being like, oh, yeah, um, she was staying in my foster house, but she just ran away, so we ain't seen her. Gotcha. So if if that's the case, then they couldn't have been, because of how well taken care of she was, she had a family. She had people out there who who knew about her, who loved her, who wanted to take care of her. But something happened to where they lost track of her. Something happened. And so they, my thought is, is that they mm-hmm. just don't know. They right. just don't know that this right. body has been found. They just don't know the description of, you know, this girl. And again, they don't have her head. So, you know, there's no dental records. There is no, what is there? What is, there's no hair. What is there? Okay. Okay. So, like I said, they never found her head. So, homicide investigators tried in vain to search for Jane Doe's identity. Mm-hmm. Um, they initially went out to schools in the area looking for girls who were missing, but it didn't really help that the school records weren't really accurate as far as... Not surprising. Yeah. It's a black community. Exactly. So, why care what they... What they what doing, they come who's to, coming yeah. to school, who's... Right. Play, who cares? 
Um, they did manage to comb through the St. Louis City schools mm-hmm. and four other nearby districts, um, but nobody matching Jane Doe's description was reported missing. Okay. Um, so they had followed numerous false leads in attempts to uncover Jane Doe's identity. Over the years since, there was one one woman, sorry, there was one woman who appeared at a police station claiming she had met the killer, saying that she lived, he lived up the street from her and he showed her a human skull and a machete and said that he was the person who killed this Jane Doe. Okay, okay. okay. But when detectives followed up on this lead, Mm -hmm. they found a toy machete that couldn't do anything. And a... Couldn't slice ham, huh? Exactly. (laughs) Wow. And a skull that was actually procured from a science classroom. So it was a prop. Um, In 1980... In the 1980s, I'm sorry, in the late 1980s, Detective Burgoon became so desperate for leads that he sat in on a seance where photocopies of Jane Doe were passed around to psychics. Um, and at the end of the meeting, Burgoon recalled that they told him to call the Coast Guard. The head is in a boat on the Gulf of Mexico. Okay. So, as far as I know, they didn't follow up on that lead. So, mm-hmm. they say that was a dead end. Um... Again, in an attempt to identify this victim, again, Joe, no, John Burgoon and Leroy Atkins appeared on the nationally syndicated show Sightings Mm -hmm. for another seance to determine the identity of Jane Doe. Stop. Mm Mm-hmm. We doing seances. Yeah. We not doing real police work here. Why are we in a seance? Will we do that for Becky? Well, I think, okay, so this was in, so they went on this show in 1994. So at this okay. point, it has been 10 years. Nobody has come forward to claim this girl. She hasn't been identified. But what have they been doing in the last 10 years to actually find her? I mean, <laughs> okay, again, I'm not a cop. Okay, I'm not a question. cop. I don't know the ins and outs of detective work. So, yes, I am speaking out of ignorance. But a part of me feels like, why right are we not canvassing outside the 16 blocks because you said yeah 16 blocks they look for her head Mm -hmm. while we can't go further we did go further i'm gonna get there okay okay talk to me because i'm we did go further it was a little late that we went further we should have went further after the 16 blocks didn't work I, I feel you. I'm Immediately. With you. I'm with you. Okay. I'm with you when you're right. All right. I'm with you when you're right. Okay. But again, you also have to remember this is the 80s. Like, science isn't where it is now. I feel like now they have a lot more scientific methods of being able to find a person. And I get that. Or find out who a person is. I get that. I do. Um, I do. But I, do. I agree. Do I think that they went door to door saying, do you know this little girl? Have you seen her? Do you know anything? Absolutely not. I don't think they put that much time and effort in. I don't. It doesn't feel like. Right. It doesn't. Like, had this been Becky, she would have been on the news every day. Calling the streets for weeks. Why wasn't this little girl on the news? Now, remember, I was a little girl during this time. Mm -hmm. So I remember it hitting the news, Mm -hmm. but I don't remember hitting the news to the point where it's getting national attention. Yeah, no. It got local attention. Mm And I may have remembered maybe one, maybe two, definitely one, but maybe two 
times it may have aired mm-hmm. on the news, mm-hmm. but still, like. But then we hear about John Benet Ramsey every year. John Benet Ramsey's on Hulu, Netflix. Anywhere you go. Anywhere you, you go. That's what I'm John saying. Benet. I mean, her parents dead at this point. Well, her mom's dead. Right. But her, you know, the, the, the brother in college, Dr. Phil interviewing him. <laughs> like, I don't get it. Yeah. I it get make it. I do. My, we my know the reason. Me. Okay, but we just gonna keep moving. But on. you know. Okay, so yeah, so they appeared on this show, sightings, um, for another seance. But this endeavor was actually more detrimental than anything. To was more detrimental than it was helpful to the investigation. Um, so the te- the detectives decide that they're gonna mail the yellow sweater that the girl was wearing, as well as the red and white nylon rope that bound her hands. They mailed them to the show's production so that the psychics could get an accurate reading, but they never got the evidence back because it was lost in the mail. What do you think about that? (laughs) You see this look on my face. Like, this is some frackernackle. Okay, this is some chaos and chicanery. Okay, really? Really? You gonna mail it? Mm -hmm. They escort dope money. Yeah. They escort drugs, personally. Yep. But you can't escort this sweater and this not... Okay, this this story getting on my nerves. Get a tracking number or something. Like, I I know they had tracking numbers in high school. I know government has a way... Police has a way of getting evidence safely to a destination. Exactly. Okay, so at this point, these ain't definitely ain't no Cagney and Lacey or Colombo at this point. No. These these brothers are tripping. <laughs> these brothers are tripping. So I've really only found one suspect who was ever remotely linked to the murder of this Jane Doe. Okay. Um. So now we're gonna turn our attention to our first and really only suspect, Vernon Brown. Vernon Brown. In the late 1970s, he was convicted of molesting a 12-year-old girl for which he did four years in an Indiana prison. Mm-hmm. Um, he was suspected of raping and strangling nine-year-old Kimberly Campbell, whose body was found in a vacant residence owned by Vernon's grandmother in 1985. He relocated to St. Louis under an assumed name and settled down with a wife and three stepsons in on October 24th of 1986, after picking up his stepsons, age 7, 9, and 11, I see your mouth open. It's only going to get worse. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. Okay, keep going. Keep so going. after picking up his stepsons, ages 7, 9, and 11, he lured in 9-year-old Janet Perkins into his house while she was walking home. Um, a neighbor witnessed the girl coming into the house and so vernon locked his stepsons in their rooms um and outside he took janet to the basement tied her up assaulted and strangled her his stepsons heard the cries of the nine-year-old from inside their rooms and would later testify in court against brown janet's body was found a day later in two trash bags behind a dumpster in an alley behind Brown's home. You ain't even try. He ain't try. Didn't even try. He ain't try. So I don't know if he's responsible for Jane Doe. Because he ain't try. He Because let me tell you something. Jane Doe, they tried. And it looks like they succeeded. In yeah. getting away with her murder. Exactly. I The only reason I feel like he 
didn't with this Jane Doe was because her head was missing, therefore making it hard to identify her. Right. Which he didn't care about the other girls being identified. If he okay. just put okay. Okay. Janet in the... In, gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. okay so, so Janet died. Yes. Oh my. And her. he put her body... In two trash bags behind a dumpster in an alley behind his home. So he put one trash bag on her, her upper body, oh. one trash bag on her... Did he cut her in half or something? It didn't say anything about Two trash him. bags? Yeah, it That's didn't, two separate pieces. Right. It didn't specifically say anything in the articles that I read about okay. him um, dismembering her. Right. But um, I wouldn't put it past him. I mean, he did it with his stepsons in the other room. With no problem. With no problem. So okay. I really can't say, you know... Wow. What it wow. is. Okay. So, um, he was quickly arrested okay. and he confessed to the crime as well as the murder of 19-year-old Sonetta Ford a year before. Brown never confessed to the murder of Jane Doe, but the police thought he may have been involved in the beheading or possibly 20 other crimes. Um, he was executed on May 18th, 2005. And all this time, Vernon Brown is really only the loosely considered suspect in the murder of Jane Doe. Or at least that was reported to the media. You know, right, right, sometimes right, cops like to right. try to keep stuff close to the chest. So, true that, true that, true that. But that's the only person they officially said, yeah, we have some... True that, true that. Suspicion. Okay, got you, got you. Okay, another unfortunate aspect of the St. Louis Jane Doe case is how her body was handled once it was buried in 1991. The Washington Park Cemetery's owner, um, I couldn't find her full name. Well, I had her full name. I know her first name was Virginia. I don't want to say her last name. But she committed suicide after facing a lawsuit by the state attorney general over mishandling of burials, including multiple burial uh, burial robbings, mm -hmm. multiple burials in the same plots. The cemetery was overgrown with shrubbery and neglected so much so that Jane Doe's grave was almost impossible to find. The only reason they were able to find it was because Detective Burgoon videotaped the location of her burial. Okay. That's the only reason they were able to find where her body even was. Wow. Right. Um, and so in the 90s, her corpse was relocated to Calvary Cemetery by the nonprofit group Innocence, who. No, sorry, by the nonprofit group Garden of Innocence, who provide burials for unclaimed children and infants. So in 2013, her body was exhumed. Jane Doe's body was exhumed. This is the what I was talking about. Um, so they exhumed her body so that isotope tests with samples of her bones were taken to determine the area the victim would have likely lived based on the mineral content in her body. Okay. Okay. We getting somewhere, what, 20 years later? Are we 2025? This is 2013. 2013. It it's 2013, and this, this initially happened in eight, 1989. Okay. 1983. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Okay. Um, so according to an article in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, the test results include that the girl was likely to have lived her entire life in one of 10 southern states, Florida, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, Arkansas, Texas, Tennessee, or North or South Carolina. The South. Yes. 
So that's what they were able to narrow it down to. That's narrow? That's narrow. But here's the thing. It's, first of all, it's not all 50 states. That's true. So that's one thing. And we haven't narrowed it to the South, but. And it eliminates Missouri. It does, when which he was found. Exactly. Got you. So, okay. again, that's another aspect of this case that makes me feel like she was maybe in a foster care system or she was with somebody who wasn't her family, somebody who wasn't the people who were taking care of her when this happened. And that's why they were able to take her away from them, get right. her far enough away, and nobody ever claim her. Yeah. So... Um, as of 2021, um, I haven't found any updates other than, you know, I found a couple news stories, you know, okay. reviewing the case, you know, 30 some odd years later. But, um, as far as the investigation goes, that's where we're at. Um, yeah, I believe this is still, it is a cold case, but I believe it is still technically open. But, um, yeah, that's where we are. Wow. This is... <clears throat> The statistics you read at the beginning is disheartening. Mm-hmm. The mere fact that this young girl has still went unclaimed. Yeah. That adds insult to injury. Absolutely. But what is probably the most heartbreaking of it all, mm-hmm. and you just have to be grateful of where you are, is that she goes identified, unidentified, Murder unsolved for all of this time. Mm-hmm. Like, it almost makes me feel responsible. Yeah. Even though I don't even know this girl. I, you yeah, know, I, I have nothing to offer. Yeah. But as humans, when do we come together, right? When do we make a decision to protect everyone around us? Yeah. No matter what. Don't matter if they're your kids. It don't matter if it they're doesn't, the same It doesn't, like... It doesn't matter what age they are. The, you the need div- to watch out for people. The division in this country is mind-boggling. Yeah. It is mind And I think that is... Because that, that can happen to anyone. Clearly it did. Mm-hmm. But how many other unidentified, unclaimed, yeah. black little girls Mm-hmm. or even children as a whole who are out there. Yeah. There are so many. And I'm sure that even in the statistics that I read about the juvenile prostitute reports, I'm sure not all those girls are given their real names. All those girls aren't telling the police exactly who they are. Right. They're not telling them that I got, it's just, you just caught me, but I got five friends over here that's stuck in this house with this man. Absolutely. Who... Absolutely. Who are these girls? So Absolutely. you have to think about if these are the numbers that we have that are reported. Yeah. Think about what's behind closed doors. Think what, about the the women, the children who are suffering, who have been taken from their homes and taken from their lives and forced into these types of things. And think about the people who didn't make it to get arrested. That's true. Think about the other people who have who are just unidentified bodies, unidentified Jane Doe's. Absolutely, absolutely. And how you don't hear about those. You don't. You don't. Especially if they're in predominantly black areas, especially if they're in quote-unquote urban areas. Yeah. It's not news. Any black and brown people areas. You did the true crime on the mother who went searching for her daughter in Mm -hmm. Mexico. Miriam Rodriguez. Right, and in Miriam Rodriguez's case... 
she finds her daughter mm-hmm. amongst a pile of bodies. Yes. Like, unclaimed. No way to know who no they are. No way to know who they are. What they did, where they came from. Like, guys, yeah. listen, you have got to know God has a purpose and a plan for your life. Yeah. That's all I'm just going to say. Because <laughs> you could be any of these people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it is just, it's just, it's really, really heartbreaking. And especially when it comes to our black girls and our black women, mm-hmm. or even black, you know, black and brown women of color, our indigenous, we are just so freaking unprotected. Yeah. It is ridiculous. Like I personally had a moment and this was probably when you were, um, in your preteens and teenage, mm-hmm. like I had anxiety, you walking from the bus stop and you know, the bus stop was on the same block as the house. You can see the bus stop. I can see house. the bus. You were just standing in front of the house. Yeah. But that still gave me anxiety. anxiety. Wow. You know, I was just like, Oh my God. And then of course you're at school and I'm like, I wonder if she okay. Right. Who she with at school. Right. Because I knew that that unprotection was just, it it was inevitable. Yeah. You know, so I just, yeah, I I didn't so much worry about my black son. I worry about him now more than I did in school. Yeah. Now when he leaves the house, I don't, it's it's not the level of of anxiety that that I have, um, with you when you were a teenager, but there's this. You always just have to hold your breath. Yeah. I just say, yeah. yeah it's you're like... just hold... it's like, I, yeah, you told me that. You said yeah. that anytime any child, especially a black child leaves the house. Yeah. Holding her breath until I, you come back. I'm holding my breath yeah. and it's, and, and I'm not like literally or physically holding my breath, but my heart is like, mm-hmm. he's away. Yeah. You know, and don't get me wrong. I want him to go live his life. He's 18. He's young. But he's you exploring the world. And I want him to be safe. And I'm always like, you got your ID. You got your car. I'm like, like, what do you, you, you must have all of these things with you. Mm-hmm. Like, I am really like, oh my God, sometimes, you know. And I know this, this probably, this, this is probably bad, but a part of me is almost relieved that he's a little effeminate because... <laughs> maybe he won't be seen as a threat. You know what I'm saying? Because I know black masculinity is seen as a threat. And I know that's horrible Mm -hmm. to say, guys. I know, I know. But it's the reality of the But my thing is, I want to keep my son alive. I want God to keep my son alive. My kids alive by any means necessary. Yeah. Look, you can always overcome anything as long as you're living and have the activity of your limbs to go do it. You can make it through You can overcome it. Yeah. You know, and I know that's probably bad to say. I know that's probably not the, you know, most popular thing to say. But yeah, at the end is. of the day, I really have to lean and depend on God to protect you guys. Yeah. Because I can't be there 24-7. I already, you know, I, that reality sets in pretty quickly when you guys go off to school. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like, okay, I can't be there. Okay, what is my, what are they doing to my baby? What's going on? Because as a mom, that's where I was when I had you. You were my first. I'm like, wait a minute, she going to school? Okay, what school is this? What's this? And you know me, I was up at the school. I'm like, who? because I need to know who you around. Right. So I just, yeah, it's just, it's just really, really heartbreaking that, yeah, 
it's really heartbreaking that after all this time, no one has yet to claim her. I know. It's like part of me, I just, you know, I, I don't even, like you said, I don't even know her, but I want to claim her just so that she has that family, just so that she has someone being like, I recognize you and I recognize what you went through and I want to be there for you, even if I'm too late. I don't even have kids and I want to claim this girl from 1980. I mean, I found, I find it just heartbreaking. Like, I just... It's heartbreaking. I feel like almost responsible. Yeah. You know, for all of this. Like I, I and I know I, I was a little girl at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I I'm just oh my God. Yeah, it's terrible. Horrible. It's terrible. So, if you know anybody of human trafficking, especially in the St. Louis area, there is a human trafficking number uh, that you guys can have. Um, And so, that phone number is... 314-615-8618. And so, anybody that you know that may be human trafficked, guys, reach out to the human... And that's the human trafficking information line um and that is actually the one in st louis and then we also have a number for missing and exploited children if you even suspect like we have to right now it's a commercial on tv that's even that's talking about how we have to be diligent and start reporting what we see in our neighborhoods because guess what guys this does happen in the neighborhood setting it may not end up there you know we we always looking at somebody being snatched at the convenience store or snatched at the you know what i'm saying gas station but this happens in a neighborhood level where people are being prepped prime and watched in their neighborhood yeah by people that you know by people you've sat and had casual conversations with absolutely absolutely so please keep in mind that you have to be diligent like I myself are going to be I I am diligent too because I go out at night which you know I probably shouldn't but I gotta live my life you know what I'm saying so and it's not fair that we have to be the ones who are on edge we have to be the ones who are always on guard and protecting ourselves but how about these people mainly these men not be predators I'm not saying that it's only men. There are some very terrible women out there who do some very terrible things. Very terrible things. But statistically speaking, men are more likely to commit these types of offenses. Absolutely. So how about you control your violent instincts instead of making me control my body? Yeah. So that phone number for the helpline for the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children is Mm -hmm. 1-800-843-5678. And I also wanted to shout out a podcast called Black Girl Missing. Yeah. I, actually, I learned about this um, story from Black Girl Missing. I had never heard of, about it until they did an episode on okay. it. Okay. And so they dedicate themselves to the telling of stories of black girls between the ages of 0 and 17 okay. who have gone missing in the United States. Yes. Some of these girls have been found. Some are still missing. Some, sadly, are lost. Yeah. And I really, really love this podcast because they also have a portion of their podcast called the Aisha Alert. Right. Where they give 
up-to-date information about girls who are currently missing okay. so that we can all work together to try to help identify and bring these girls home. Yes, Aisha alert. Absolutely. For our black and brown girls. Exactly. I love it. I love it because Amber, again, I don't know a lot of black Ambers. You know a lot of black Ambers? <laughs> I don't know a lot. Of, I mean, I know a couple, but, you know, they kind of Amber, I think I know two. I know two from, like, high school, and both of them were terrible. Hated both of them. The two I know are not terrible. They were not terrible. Well, there you go. I mean, yeah. if you're a black Amber and you cool, you know, hit me up. You know, it's totally fine. I ain't gonna be right, but right, right. But again, guys, when it comes to our black and brown girls and our black and brown women, we have got to stick together. Yeah. So if you see something, say something. Do not in any way, any way, shape, or form. Get that mentality that it's not your business. Because when you get that mentality, sometimes it becomes your business. Mm -hmm. Because you didn't say anything. Now you're affected. Now you want everybody else to help you when it comes to that. Again, I get it. I get it. We don't want to get into harm's way. I know I don't. I don't want to put my family in harm's way. Of course. But we have got to have a mentality to where we're standing up. We're speaking up and we're just making the necessary phone calls and doing what we have to do for other people. Yeah. Okay. Again, I've never personally been in a situation where I saw something that I felt like I had to report. Like Mm -hmm. I've never really been, but I would like to think that if I saw that, I would report that. And a lot of things that I have, like there was one lady, if you remember when you were learning how to drive and we were driving on the highway and there was a lady falling asleep at the wheel. Yeah. You remember that? I remember that. We called the cops. Yeah. Like, you have to. Because she was literally falling She was literally falling asleep. She was swerving lanes. And we're like, what is her problem? Yeah. We finally pass her up. And she's literally sleeping at the wheel. Mm-hmm. Like, eyes closed, head down at the Knock steering out. wheel. So, again, guys, you just got to say something. You yeah. got to be able. If you see something. Say something. You want to say something? It's better if you say something and then you're the weirdo who's overprotective and too cautious. Then you don't say anything and somebody loses their life or somebody loses their child or their loved one. Absolutely. You don't want to be that person at all. At all. I mean, you don't. don't. So those are the numbers that we gave you guys for human trafficking, for missing and exploited children. Keep in mind, guys, you can always follow us on uh, Instagram at A Daughter's Dilemma. Also, email us your stories at a daughter's dilemma at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. Engage. Please subscribe. Please share this podcast for your missing or exploited, you know what I'm saying, child. person or child in your life. Yeah. I mean, again, I know people are still fighting. We still fight for Breonna Taylor. Yeah, a year it's later. It's been a year later. Mm-hmm. And this woman, this mother is just supposed to go on with her life like nothing happened. Yeah. Or like, it's okay, her daughter's dead because, oops, they made a mistake. Right. Get your, you know what? Okay. All right, we're getting a little heated here. We are. And so on that note, I'm just going to go and get on up out of here, Okay. <laughs> I'm Radnique, the daughter. I am Nefra, the mother. And remember that every woman is someone's daughter. And every daughter can be an excellent mother until next week. <laughs> Ooh,